Good evening and welcome to Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pierce. Thank you so much for joining me this Friday. Coming up in today's edition of Catholic View, we'll be learning a little bit more about the Marimba and Steel Pen Festival taking place this weekend in Boxburg. But first, as usual, we begin with some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and in the Catholic Church today. So do stay tuned. This is Archbishop Buti Kakhale of the Catholic Diocese of Johannesburg. You are listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. And in your headlines this Friday evening, increasing number of human trafficking victims in Mozambique. Charlie God's parents denied their final wish for more time. And today marks World Hepatitis Day. Good evening once again. I'm Sheila Pirish. Legal authorities in Mozambique say they are worried about the increasing number of human trafficking victims in the southern Sadek country. Ecclesio Rambe reports from Maputo. The magistrate of the Mozambique Attorney General's Office is Dr. Natasha Laji. She was speaking in the early morning show of Radio Mozambique called Journal da Manhã. Ms. Laj said the country's Attorney General's office reported 11 cases of human trafficking in the first half of this year, compared to eight of the same period last year. The official made this announcement on the occasion to celebrate the week against human trafficking under the theme protect and assist the victims of human trafficking. According to last year's statistical data, 19 cases of human trafficking were recorded. In the first six months of this year, 11 cases were reported. We are conscious that this number does not represent the reality. However, these are the cases reaching to us by the competent officers in order to ensure that the doers are criminally held responsible. Ms. Lage went on to say that people who are victims of these threats are mainly those disadvantaged ones trying to improve their living conditions in the neighboring countries. We should note that the victims of this kind of crime are disadvantaged people. They often understand this as a solution to their poverty problem, but they end up being victims of human trafficking. The official added that most of the cases of human trafficking were aimed at labor exploitation, extraction of human organs and also to prostitution. The human trafficking is also intended to promote the trafficking in drugs, labor exploitation and the extraction of human organs. These are the purposes envisaged in our penal code. Natasha Laj, the magistrate of the Mozambican Attorney General's Office. She was speaking about the increase in the number of human trafficking cases in the country. 
Mozambique is used by neighboring countries as a corridor for this kind of crime. More needs to be done in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, or DRC, to end gender-based violence in the country, said UN Deputy Chief as she wrapped up a visit there on Thursday. Jocelyn Sambira reports. Amina Mohammed spoke to reporters at the airport in the capital city, Kinshasa. During her meeting with President Joseph Kabila, she focused on issues women in the DRC are facing, highlighting how women bear the brunt of conflict in the country. She said the UN would like to see how women can participate more in the mediation of conflicts there. The Deputy Secretary General said she also discussed the investigation into the killing of the two UN experts in the DRC with the president, who in turn assured her that they will be following up with those investigations as soon as possible. Earlier, she visited a camp for displaced people called Mugunga in the eastern part of the country. The camp hosts around 4,000 IDPs, mostly women and children, who fled clashes between rebel groups and the National Army in and around Goma town. It's very difficult in the world today when resources are becoming smaller. So we have to open up the voice. We have to take the voice of northern Kivu, of this camp, to the international community. That's our job. These are our African women, and we must take the African voice out, that there is suffering, and that this suffering, we must, uh, we must sympathize with it, we must bring the resources, not as a handout, but as a basic human right. Nigerian hospital officials say the death toll from an ambush in northeastern Nigeria has risen to 48 people. Devin Watkins has more. Hospital officials in Nigeria say the death toll from a Boko Haram ambush in the northeastern part of the country has risen to 48 people. Boko Haram fighters attacked geological surveyors as they were prospecting for oil on Tuesday near Lake Chad. The military has put the toll at 10 dead and the government has suspended oil prospecting in the area. The attack comes five days after Nigeria's army issued a directive for the arrest of Boko Haram leader Abu Bakr Sheko within 40 days. Egypt's president and his highest religious authority have announced new measures to tackle terrorism and combat radicalization. Philip Bahichian reports. Egypt's new national council is tasked with drawing up a strategy in coordination with religious institutions and security authorities to promote moderate religious discourse, as well as studying and proposing amendments to terrorism-related legislation. President El-Sisi ordered its formation following the Palm Sunday bombings of two churches back in April that left at least 45 people dead and more than 100 injured. Meanwhile, Al-Azhar University, the highest religious authority for the Sunni Muslim world, has set up a kiosk in one of Cairo's busiest underground stations, handing out religious advice to counter the appeal of militant Islam and reach out to believers at the grassroots. Commuters welcome the initiative, with some calling for more kiosks to be set up at other stations across the capital. Critics, however, accuse the 1,000-year-old Al-Azhar for failing to modernize its religious discourse, saying the new initiative does little to counter the lure of militancy among marginalized young people. Islamist militants are waging an insurgency in Egypt's Sinai Peninsula and have killed hundreds of soldiers and police in clashes since 2013. Suicide attacks have increasingly spread onto the mainland, killing tourists and Christians in particular. In 2015, President al-Sisi called on al-Azhar to take action, and the Azhar
Star Observatory was subsequently launched. Operating in 10 languages, it tracks social media where militants spread their propaganda and has also published books stressing the need to correct extremist interpretations of Islam. In February this year, a top-level Vatican delegation led by Cardinal Jean-Louis Torrent of the Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue held talks at Al-Azhar on ways of working together to combat all religiously motivated violence. On to other news, hepatitis is one of the world's biggest killers and although many countries have taken action to eradicate the threat it poses, others need to do more, said the UN on Thursday. According to the World Health Organization, WHO latest data, over 1 million people have died from the liver disease in 2015, putting it on a par with TB. Ahead of World Hepatitis Day, observed annually on the 28th of July, the UN Health Agency has highlighted what countries with the biggest share of sufferers have done to help them. Daniel Johnson has more. The health threat posed by hepatitis is staggering. It claimed more than 1.3 million lives in 2015, while close to a third of a billion people live with chronic liver disease and will require constant treatment. The bad news doesn't end there. Of the two most common hepatitis types, B and C, hepatitis C is still gaining ground, with 1.7 million people newly infected in 2015. Much more encouraging news is what's been done to tackle the problem by the 28 countries that share 70% of the global hepatitis burden. According to the World Health Organization, nearly all of these countries have set up high-level hepatitis elimination committees with plans and targets in place. Crucially, more than half have allocated dedicated funds to follow through on their commitments, but many more countries need to follow suit, says the UN Health Agency's Dr. Gottfried Hernschel. I really want to be optimistic here, and I think we have reason to be optimistic, to say some countries are really stepping up to the plate. Others are still looking across the fence. Others are sort of getting ready by putting things in place. Eliminating hepatitis is a 2030 sustainable development goal. Just this week, that global health objective got a boost when WHO announced that a cheaper generic treatment is now available for hepatitis C, bringing the cost down to $250 or less for three months' medication in some countries. A high court judge has decided that terminally ill Charlie Gard will be moved to a hospice and have his life support withdrawn soon after. Devin Watkins has more. Critically ill British baby Charlie Gard will spend his final hours in a hospice before the ventilator that keeps him alive is turned off. That's according to a judge who made the ruling on Thursday. Charlie's parents had been trying to find a medical team that could look after him for several days so that they could be in farewell to him before his first birthday on August 4th. And finally, on Thursday, Google Chief Executive Sundar Pichai said in a conference in Lagos, Nigeria, that Google aims to train 10 million people in Africa in online skills over the next five years in an effort to make them more employable. The U.S. technology giant also hopes to train 100,000 software developers in Nigeria, Kenya and South Africa. 
Google's pledged marked an expansion of an initiative it launched in April 2016 to train young Africans in digital skills. It announced in March it had reached its initial target of training one million people. Mr. Pichai added that the company is committing to prepare another 10 million people for jobs of the future in the next five years. And those were just some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and in the Catholic Church today. Thank you once again for joining me this Friday evening. Coming up next, we'll be learning a little bit more about the Marimba and Steel Pan Festival, which is to take place this coming weekend. The 6th International Marimba and Steel Pen Festival takes place on the 29th and 30th of July at St. Dominic's Catholic School for Girls in Boxburg. Now, the main focus point of the festival is a series of competitions which has about 2,000 performers this year with over 250 performances. They have bands from Nigeria, Zimbabwe, Botswana, Lesotho and, of course, South Africa. John Litko is a marimba specialist as well as the director of the International Marimba and Steel Pen Festival. about the festival. I see you have a couple of artists that will be joining the festival. Talk to us about what people can expect this time. Right. Um, so obviously um, for those listeners who have been to our festival or have heard about the festival, we always have two different um, aspects to the festival. The main venue has all our competitions which run um, continuously for two days um, in the main venue. And people compete again in different age groups and different categories and different sections. And then we have um, the, the fringe events. And this year we have a wonderful, wonderful lineup of people um, coming to perform um, at the festival. We've got um, our very own Marimba Queen, um, Magda de Vries, who will be doing two classical music concerts. We have um, Wallace, um, uh, Haruna Wallisimbi from Uganda as well as Mark Stone from the U- USA who will be giving a joint comp- uh, con- concert, two joint concerts, as well as two joint workshops, which um, you will never see in this country. I mean, it's just so exciting. And then we have, um, besides those, we've got um, Bollywood beats, dance workshops, we've got Gumbu dance workshops, marimbas, mbiras from Zimbabwe, steel pan workshops, and wow, so much more. Now, when you talk of workshops, are these for students, for the participants, or anybody is welcomed to join these workshops? Okay, so how it works is depending on what you pay to come into the workshop, if you book for a full weekend, which is what we would recommend everyone do because it's so cheap, it's 150 rand a person for a full weekend pass, which allows you entrance to all the workshops, all the performances and everything. And, 
if you only wanted to come to um, one day and attend all the workshops that are on offer, you can pay 80 rand per person at the gate. Um, or else if you just wanted to come and listen to the marimbas at the festival and not really attend any workshops, then it's 50 rand a person at, um, to come to the gate. Now, Joan, while I've got you on the line, let's recap about the whole Marimba Festival. What is it about? What is the message that you're trying to bring to young people, especially to learners, the ones that will be participating? Because I know from previous years you've always had schools from other African countries that come forward and also participate in this festival. So talk to us about the whole concept behind the festival. Thank you, Shayla. Um, the, the idea behind the festival is to bring young people and old people, by the way, um, together making music from all over the world and um, to, to, make, um, to create social cohesion not only in our country but around the world, to, to create bonds between people, to, create, um, to build bridges across the, the color line and to build, build bridges across um, people generally, um, and we found that the festival achieves all of this and so much more. So this year we have a band coming all the way from Nigeria. They arrive tomorrow. Um, we also have bands from all over South Africa with 2,000 participants from, um, from Africa and South Africa. We have a large contingent of bands coming from Zimbabwe this year, um, and yes, it's going to be one of those incredible events that when you come to the event and you see what's happening, you're going to say, wow, if only South Africa was like this in real, in real life, we would have the most unbelievable society. So people come together and play music and are living in harmony for two days and, and are cheering each other on, are caring about each other, and um, it is just so unbelievably special. Let's talk about the whole aspect of marimba, playing the marimba. I, I remember speaking to you before the concert earlier this year, and you did mention a couple of schools in s certain areas that offer lessons to little ones. Talk to us about those schools. Should people want to send their children to play the marimba and maybe other instruments that are on offer? How can they get access to such schools? Because as we know, music lessons are very expensive everywhere. You think three times before you send your child for music lessons. So thank you, Sheila. Uh, yes, um, you know, the, the marimba is, a, is the fastest growing instrument um, being used in schools in the country. Um, and more and more schools are seeing the huge benefit that marimbas offer um, from an educational point of view besides the musical point of view and the social um, point of view. So um, a lot of schools, so when, when parents are looking for a school for their child, they need to be asking those very questions. Do you offer marimba at the school? And if they don't, you need to be encouraging the school to, to get marimbas or you need to be finding another school that does. Because, um, But slowly but surely through our Marimba Hubs program that Education Africa runs, we are um, getting marimbas into particularly um, uh, schools in the disadvantaged areas where music lessons are absolutely um, a, um, 
you know, a, a luxury because of the expenses involved with um, with marimbas, uh, with, with musical instruments in general. And so we would highly, um, you know, the, the schools, there are more and more schools, um, and in the country I would say they're easily three or four hundred, five hundred schools that offer marimbas at their schools. So parents need to look at that um, before they actually choose a school for their child. Now, you mentioned marimba hubs that the Education for Africa has introduced. Where can those be found? Okay, so Education Africa has um, introduced marimba hubs in a number of areas. We have uh, marimba hubs in uh, Alexandra, two schools in Alexandra. We have marimba hubs in uh, Nanesa with two schools, one in Daviton, one in Etwatwa. Um, one in Rafa Park, and one in Soweto. And um, we recently just started one um, in Hammond's Kral. Um, just it's opening this week. Today is Wednesday. It opened on Monday. And we're hoping to open up another one at the Boys and Girls Club in um, Bertrand's later this year. So we've got two. We've got one in, um, at the Boys and Girls Club in Soweto, and we now have another one coming up at the Boys and Girls Club in um, Bertram is coming up shortly. So these are practically hubs outside the schools, hey? Well, the Boys and Girls Clubs um, and the one that we have at Etwatwa are um, outside the school situation. And mm. um, the rest of the hubs are, are situated at a school in particular, but um, the, the way the hubs are run is that if someone lives in the area and lives nearby and is really keen to get their child to play marimbas and they live in Alex, for instance, they can approach the school that has the marimbas and say, can my child come and join the marimba classes in the afternoon? So in other words, uh, even the children that uh, will benefit from such lessons, uh, we're talking about, of course, the, the hubs that are outside the school situation, once they get to learn how to play the marimbas, they can also participate in the marimba festival. Absolutely. So all our hubs are performing at the festival this year. We've got nine hubs, and they're all sending bands to perform at the festival. Um, and that's a very exciting thing because we see wonderful progress. We see... Um, participation and we see the fruits of our labor really. John, before I let you go, please give us all the details that we need to know with regards to the festival this coming weekend. Thank you. Um, so we have the festivals at St. Dominic School in Boxburg, in Kruger Street, Boxburg. It starts at 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning this week, the 29th, um, and goes until 9.30 on, on um, Saturday evening. And then Sunday morning again from 8 o'clock until 6 p.m. Um, as I said, there's over 2,000 uh, participants with um, something like 270 performances um, throughout the two days. Um, the costs for the festival, um, depending on what you're going to be wanting out of the festival, is 150 rand for a full weekend pass. And gosh, you can't get value like that anywhere in the world, truthfully. Um, you know, you can't go to a movie for 150 rand these days. And here you've got two whole days of entertainment, edutainment, because you've not only got the entertainment, 
in the main venue, but you can also go to all the workshops and things, so you can be entertained and educated at the same time. Um, and then uh, if you just wanted to come for a one-day pass, it's 80 rand per person for a one-day pass and 50 rand um, for a pass that limits you only to the main venue. Um, so we want to invite everybody in the area and outside of the area. This is the most wonderful family outing. We have um, food, a food court. We have um, uh, stalls, uh, flea market stalls. And we have all this wonderful entertainment. And the weather looks like it's going to be amazing. So we need to see everybody out there who are listening. To um, We'd love to see you at the festival this weekend. But May, I'd just like to appeal to all your listeners. We are looking for partners not only for now, but um, in particular going forward into 2018, because this is a festival that's going to be last, that will be going on forever. Um, we're looking for business partners who are interested in, in um, coming on board with Education Africa. They don't need to give that much. We're looking anything between 10000 and whatever a company can afford to be a, a regular partner in, in funding our festival. Part of um, what we do is we try and... Um, as part of the 2,000 people that come to our festival, at least 500 of those people um, come from impoverished um, communities where they can ill afford to pay for for the festival to to come, you know, to for accommodation and for transport and all of that. And Education Africa facilitates all these 500 learners normally. Um, and this year we didn't have the funding we were hoping for, and we've had to disappoint so many young people as we've not had enough funding to give them meals at the festival, to give them transport to the festival, even to help with their accommodation. So we're appealing to all businesses out there, please, please, please consider being a partner with Education Africa for the future so that we can make this happen every year. Great stuff, Joan. Well, thank you so much and uh, wishing you all of the best for this weekend, hey? Thank you so much and thank you for giving us this opportunity. Well, that brings me up to time. This has been your Friday's edition of Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Shayla Birch for Radio Veritas. Should you wish to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email, shayla at radioveritas.co.za. Have a blessed weekend and thank you so much for listening. Until Tuesday at the same time, God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Shayla Birch.